Well, this week I came across an article from one of those satirical news sites, and the title of the article was this, Man on Cusp of Having Fun Suddenly Remembers Every Single One of His Responsibilities. Here's how it goes. Marshall Platt, age 34, came tantalizingly close to kicking back and having a good time while attending a friend's barbecue last night before remembering each and every one of his professional and personal obligations, backyard sources confirmed. While he chatted with friends over a relaxed outdoor meal, Platt was reportedly seconds away from letting go and enjoying himself when he suddenly was crushed by the full weight of work emails that still needed to be dealt with. An upcoming wedding he had yet to buy airfare for because of an unresolved issue with his Southwest reward card. Phone calls that needed to be returned. Platt, who reportedly sunk into a distracted haze after coming to the razor's edge of experiencing genuine joy, fully intended to go through the motions of talking with friends and appearing to have a good time, all while he mentally shopped for a birthday present for his mother and made a silent note to call his bank about a mysterious recurring $19 monthly fee on his statement. Everything's fine said the tense, mentally absent man, whose girlfriend asked him what was wrong as he remembered that, that he hadn't called his aunt yet to check up on her after her surgery. I'm having fun. According to sources, Platt tried to put his responsibility-laden thoughts out of his mind and loosen up. But suddenly he remembered a magazine subscription that needed to be renewed by Friday, a medical bill he thought might now be overdue, and the fact that he needed to do laundry by tonight or he would run out clean socks, and underwear. It's funny, right? Because it's alarmingly true. For many of us, unfortunately, the thought of actually even having a good time, of finding some joy, is quickly often overshadowed by all of the worries of life, by worry, by stress, by the anxiety that keeps us from actually living presently, being in the moment, having a good time. And this may surprise us, but Jesus had a lot to say about worry and anxiety. And so as we continue in this sermon series that we've been looking at in the build-up to Easter, the series we've called The Teacher Who Changed the World, today we want to ask, what does Jesus have to teach us about worry? And if you've been with us throughout this series, we've seen that if we're going to set out to follow Jesus, then we're going to have to see him as our teacher. That he holds truth in his hands. And he has truth in his words. And so it's very important because some of you may be here today and maybe you're considering faith. You're investigating Christianity. You're interested in Jesus. But maybe you're tempted to say, well, you know, I like what Jesus says about this, and I really like what he says on this subject, and I love what he says here. But I don't really like what he says about this over here, and I really just wish he would have never said that over here. Right? And if we take that approach, if we're not careful, before we realize it, we're beginning to pick and choose the things that we want to hear from Jesus. We're beginning to pick and choose the things about the Bible that we like, that kind of fit into the previously held 
ideas or the biases maybe that we have. And we're leaving behind the parts that we don't like or that we don't want to hear. But here's the thing. When we do that, we are making our own version of Jesus. We're making our own version of God. A version of God that fits into our lives well, that doesn't rock the boat. And before you know it, our vision of God, our vision of the Bible, is just that. Our vision of God. Our vision of the Bible. I had the pleasure of uh, leading 40 people from our church through a study recently called The Meaning of Marriage. And in one of the videos, someone uh, speaking on this discussion panel was talking about the approach to dating in our digital age, where we have all these dating sites now that have these built-in algorithms, right, and formulas that allow you to put in as much data as you want, and what it gives back to you are literally a list of thousands of people that you are compatible with. And this person said, you know, today it's as if we want the most compatible person for us that can easily fit into my life so I don't actually have to change. But marriage, if, you've, if you're married, you know is one of the chief ways that God changes us and makes us more like him, makes us more holy. And the way he does it is through our spouses, people who challenge us, who are different than us, who change us for the better. And you and I need the same view of Jesus. We need him as our teacher to challenge us, to change us. And so if we're going to let Jesus teach us about worry, uh, to be our teacher, then we're going to need him to, to challenge us. To let, Jesus, to let Jesus teach us is to let him challenge us. That's the kind of teacher that we need the one that will change us. And what Jesus has to teach us about worry and anxiety is no different. And so a key question for us today is, what would you need to do or believe to not worry as much as you are now? What would you need to do or believe to not worry as much as you are now? And I want us to see three things from this very famous sermon that Jesus gave, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. And the first thing is this, that if you're going to truly let Jesus teach and challenge you about worry, then you're going to have to locate your heart. Locate your heart. Look at Matthew 6 with me. Jesus says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What is Jesus saying? Well, first, he's recognizing that all of us have treasures. All of us have certain things that we value above other things. And they could be very good things, like our families our friends. They could be things that lead us closer to God. But also, because we're human, we have things in our lives that we treasure that lead us away from God. 
the treasures of the world. And what are those? They could be anything. They could be having more money, fame or recognition, some kind of physical beauty. Maybe we just really want a world and we treasure the thought of having people who think the same way that we do, right? Who approach everything just like we do. When I asked my five-year-old son this week, what, what is a treasure? His eyes just lit up, right? And he started talking about treasure chests and gold coins and going to the beach, what he does, he digs around, he's looking for, for treasure. And I don't think that's too far off from what our definitions of treasure would be. So if Jesus is about to teach us on worry and anxiety, why is he starting by talking about treasures? Well, I think because for most of us, the areas of money, finances, treasures in this world, storing up treasure in this world, are the areas where we have the tendency to worry the most. Jesus knows that. And that's why he says in verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus is saying, you can't have two hearts. You can't have a double heart. And because he knows that our hearts go with what we value or treasure the most, he says, instead, you're going to need to store up treasures in heaven. Not these kind of treasures on earth. And in fact, I want to go as far as to say this today, that your heart is going to be fixed on whatever you treasure most. And if your treasure is not God himself and on the things of God, then you and I are going to have a very hard time allowing Jesus to be our teacher. Why? Because there's something else that we treasure more than what he has to say to us. We don't give God the authority in our life to challenge us because we value something else more. Jamie Smith wrote a really wonderful book that I talked about in our spiritual habits seminar last week called You Are What You Love. And in it, he writes this. He says, if the heart is like a compass, a homing device, then we need to regularly calibrate our hearts, tuning them to be directed to the Creator, our magnetic north. So if we're going to let Jesus teach us about worry, then we're going to have to first locate our hearts and ask, what do I treasure? What am I treasuring the most? And Jesus says that if I store up treasures here on earth, here's this fascinating thing that's going to happen. Jesus says, literally, they're going to rot away. They're going to fall apart. Those treasures will not last. They will be eaten away. And here's why I think this is all linked. Because when we realize that these treasures on earth slip away, they rot away in our hands, what do we begin to do? We begin to worry. We realize that they're slipping away, that they're fleeting. This week, the AC in my car died. Now let me tell you, there's no line item in our budget for a new AC, right? So what happened? In that moment, Thursday, our finances are slipping through my, my fingers, right? The moths are just eating it away. It's going away. And so I worried all day long and into the weekend. 
we have to do the work, right, when this, these kinds of things happen to locate our hearts, where our hearts are taking us, what it is that we're treasuring if we're going to address the worry in our lives. But secondly, we need to see God as our provider. We locate our hearts and then see God as your provider. Look at what Jesus says in verse 25. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? It seems like Jesus is almost turning to some humor here. He's really stooping down low to talk to his children, and he's saying, Hey, hey, Phil, look at the little birds. Look at the, they're not worried about anything. Right? The treasures of the world, they don't even worry about their food, where it's coming from. Are you not more valuable than they are to me? Are you not my child? Can you hear me say this to you? But when our hearts are so easily tied up with these different things of, these, of the world, we begin to trust that that's not true. We begin to wonder if that promise Jesus makes to us is actually true. And before you know it, we're like that guy at the party. Right? Unable to find any joy because the distractions of life are overwhelming us. And so if we're going to see God as our provider, if that's a way to address the worry in our lives, then first we're going to have to deal with our distractions. To deal with the distractions in our life. Jesus is saying all these other questions, these other things are distracting you from trusting that I will provide for you. And so what are those distractions? Look at verse 31. Jesus says, Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. I know you need these things, Jesus says. In fact, these are the same questions that all that everyone's asking, that all the pagans are asking, the people who don't even believe. You say you trust me, though. And so something should be different with you. But sometimes, for us, the distractions are so overwhelming that we have the tendency to miss Jesus entirely, right? Later in the life of Jesus, there's a story where he comes to the home of two sisters, Mary and Martha, and they're going to celebrate a meal together. And Martha is, is constantly moving about. Right? She's fixing things. She's worrying about all the preparations. She's probably been to the market three or four times that day, getting things just right to impress Jesus and all of the guests. But her sister, Mary, is not doing any of that. And she's just sitting with Jesus and with the guests, and she's with him. And at one point, Martha comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, will you do something about her? Like, she is not helping me at all. And his reply is so wonderful. He says, Martha, Martha, you are distracted and worried about so many different things. Don't worry about your sister. In fact, she has chosen the right thing to do. What she is doing, being with me, is the right thing. And so, 
We have to deal with our distractions, with these things that worry and take our focus off of God if we're going to see him as the one who is actually providing for us. But to see God as our provider means we're also going to need to address our fears. To address our fears. I read a short article this week about fear. It featured a series of comics depicting the common fears of children alongside the very similar fears of adults. Childhood fears versus adult fears. For instance, childhood fear, doctors. Adult fear, doctor's bills. Right? Childhood fears, bad dreams. Adult fears, unfulfilled dreams. Childhood fear, strangers. Adult fear, Social anxiety, being around strangers. Childhood fear, clowns. Adult fear, clowns. Yeah. The article notes that though the fears of children are often thought of as irrational or silly, we're kind of getting our kids to you know, get past those, they're really not that far off from the fears that we always have. You see, whatever is shaping, uh, whatever shape it takes for you, whatever your fears look like, our worry deep down is driven by those fears. Fear that we're not going to have enough of the things that we need, that it's going to run out. Fear that God is not going to provide for me in the way that I think that he should. Fear that all these treasures that I've spent years building up, investing in here on earth, that I've put my heart in, that they're not going to be there tomorrow. And what about my health? Right? Will I always be healthy enough? Some of you, uh, a lot of people in our church family right now that are facing some intense medical health issues. Right? Some of us have this constant fear and worry about our health. Something in the medical community right now that uh, everyone's kind of talking about and writing about is this idea of cyberchondria, this very real thing, right? The doctor Google, right? I'm so guilty of this, right? Any kind of problem, we run right to try to figure out what's going on. Here's the definition. Cyberchondria is the unfounded escalation of concerns about common symptoms based on review of search results and literature online. People can now research any and all symptoms of a rare disease, an illness or a condition, and manifest a state of medical anxiety, right? It leads us to worry. So whether it's our bodies, our health, right? Our families, our finances, you know, when things aren't going well, when something unexpected is happening, we start to lose control. And I don't like not being in control. I don't know about you. But here's what that does, this constant need to be in control, the constant need for everything in our life to be perfect begins to create this pressure that I have to be perfect, that I have to be in control always. Worry leads to this problem of perfectionism. Viola Davis just won an Academy Award. She said this about acting, how worry leads to perfection. She said, the work of acting is fantastic, but being a celebrity sometimes makes me tense and anxious. 
expectations, not meeting expectations, criticism, it really hurts. With every new job, you worry that you'll be found out as the hack you are. You just won an Academy Award. This will be the big failure that finally takes you down. It drives you to perfectionism, which you never achieve anyway. She's right. Now, our, our worry leads us to want everything to be perfect, including us. And the bad news of the gospel, of the message of Jesus, is that nothing is perfect. That the world is not perfect. That you and I are not perfect because of sin. Right? Because from the very beginning, our hearts have treasured something other than God. And we've gone after that. And that sin has created this separation between us and God. A separation that brings about God's judgment on that sin. Something that we could never be perfect again to fix. And so we need a Savior. But even though God is holy, he is also equally love. And because of that great love, he sent his son Jesus to be like us, to live the perfect life, to do something about that separation that we cannot fix to go through all the difficulties of life, the same that we have, to be perfect and become the sacrifice for sin that we desperately needed. And the cross is the place where he's punished for our sin, where we are brought back into this perfect, beautiful relationship with God that we are always meant to have. That's the good news of the gospel, but it gets even better. That in the resurrection, when Jesus conquers our greatest fear, death itself, he gives us new life. New life to live now. Facing all of the fears, knowing that he provides for us. If he has provided life over death, then he can provide in the face of all of our worries. And in fact, in Matthew 6, he's promising to always be providing for you. Phil, see the little birds? Do you see how I take care of them? Am I not also going to take care of you? So if we're going to let Jesus teach us about worry and to get to a place where we're not worrying as much uh, tomorrow as we are today, then we're going to have to deal with our distractions and address our fears and believe that Jesus has addressed them, that he has provided life over death in his death and resurrection. But finally, number three, and how we're going to face worry from Jesus' teaching, we have to have a vision that moves off of our worries and towards something bigger, something greater. And Jesus says, and this is a very famous verse in Matthew 6.33, he says, it's to seek God and his kingdom. Look at verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. All these other things. Can you hear Jesus saying that to Martha? Martha, seek me. Just, just be here with me. Just stop doing what you're doing. Just be present with me. Be doing what I'm doing and trust me. But how hard is that to hear? How hard is that for you to hear? 
I suspect that's going to challenge all of us very deeply. But here are a couple of things. I think we're going to say, all right, well, what can I do? If this is true, then what are some things that I can do to, to help bring this to mind more often, to help lead me to a place where I am being present with God and trusting him more and not being carried away by my worries? And I want to suggest two things for us this morning. The first is to meditate on the scriptures. Pastor Dudley and I were talking this week, and we were saying, you know, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate, right? What is worrying? Worrying is taking some thought into your mind, drilling it down into your heart, and then mulling it over and over and over again until it consumes you. What does it mean to meditate on God's word? To take his word, the scriptures, to bring it into our minds, to drill it down into our hearts, and then to mull it over and over and over until it consumes us. Till now we're thinking about God's word and his kingdom and not the worries of life. Look at what the psalmist writes. I'll actually read it to you. Psalm 1. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law, his word, day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Remember Jesus talking about the things that rot away? Whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. That person, rooted in God's word, through his word, meditating on it, is seeking something bigger than the treasures of this earth. Seeking God and his kingdom, his purposes in the world. And when you and I worry, the next step for us is to trust Jesus more. And we can do that when we take his word into our minds, drill it into our hearts, and mull it over until it consumes us. But secondly, we can also pray. We can pray with thankful hearts and with treasures in heaven. Last fall, I preached on a similar subject, stress. Right? And we talked about that passage in the New Testament where we're called to bring our requests to God right? through our anxiety, to pray asking God, but to do it with thanksgiving. And we said, what does that mean, to pray with thanksgiving? Well, it's to pray and to give thanks for any and every outcome. God, however you're going to answer this, my health, my finances, whatever worry I have, however you're going to answer this, I am giving you thanks in advance. Praying with thankful hearts and treasures in heaven with something that will last. So this morning as we close, can you let Jesus challenge you on this front? Can you hear this and, and locate where your heart is? The treasures that your heart is kind of gradually, right, over time, drawing towards. Can we kind of do an audit of our life and cut through all of the distractions? Can we address the fears that we have that maybe we've had since we were a child? And let this great news that Jesus has even conquered death itself and brought new life. Can we let that change our perspective off of the worries of our life and to a much bigger vision of God 
to him and to his kingdom. And can we be like Mary, right? Who just sits with Jesus. Just be here with me. I know, Phil, look at the birds. I know what you need. I know you need these things. Are you not that much more valuable to me than they are? Can we hear that and trust that it's true and let that be the thing that does something about our worry in this life? Let's pray together. Father, we come to you today recognizing that all of us have treasures. We are putting our faith, our hopes, our love in something. And Lord, we confess that too often that something is the other things of life that pull us away from you, pull us away from seeing you and your kingdom, your purposes in the world. And when those things begin to fail us or they begin to slip through our fingers, they begin to rot away, God, we worry and we struggle. So God, would you, through your spirit, Lord, through the very fact that we have been loved and accepted by you in Jesus, would you bring us to a place where we can truly trust you, that what you say is true, that as you're taking care of the birds, you are taking care of us. And as we store up our treasures, not the treasures of this world, but our treasures in heaven, in your promises, God, would you begin to do your work in us that makes us feel more and more like the adopted children that we are, that we are yours. God, may that be true of us where we are struggling to believe. May we take your word into our minds and drill it into our hearts. May we pray with thanksgiving for all outcomes in the midst of our worry and trust that you are providing all along the way. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus this morning. Amen. Would you stand as we sing together and close, celebrate God's faithfulness, his goodness to us in the midst of the busy world that we live in.